Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the From Starving to Savvy podcast for independent artists. Here, we share stories from artists, arts administrators, and other professionals working at the intersection of art and technology. Together, we work to interrogate the landscape of the arts industry and attempt to inject a refreshed sense of optimism to unravel the narrative of the starving artist. From Starving to Savvy is funded and produced by Last Draft Incorporated, a story company that specializes in online branding and expression for artists, entrepreneurs, and professionals with personality. I'm your host, Renee Coughlin, and you're listening to From Starving to Savvy. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We know that there is lots to choose from in this great big world of podcasting, and we truly do appreciate that you are choosing to be here listening with us. Today is episode seven, and our guest is someone who I've had the pleasure of meeting on a few different occasions, and every time she leaves me feeling energized, optimistic, and just generally better than I was before seeing her. Today we're chatting with Saidette. Saidette is well known for her role as a children's entertainer, speaker, author, and youth mental health advocate. She has presented to more than 500,000 children across Canada, and since partnering with Rogers TV to launch The Saidette Show on YouTube, she's greatly expanded her reach. The Saidette Show is the first youth talk show focused on empowering the new generation through educational and engaging content. Her online show has an international audience with more than 3 million views to date across North America, Europe, and India. In short, Sidat helps not only children, but all of us to take a look at our humanity. She asks us to embrace ourselves with love and compassion, even in times of hardship, so that we can learn to better support our communities as a whole. She does this in one of the most powerful ways that I can think of, through music and dance. Her show's motto is, one person can make a difference, together we can change the world. So here we are with Saidette. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being here and making the time. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I'm always a big fan of you, so, you know. (laughs) Oh, likewise. (laughs) The feeling is mutual. Cool. Cool. Well, let's jump right into it. I'm, um, I'm wondering if you can just kind of start us off by telling a little bit about who you are and how you have come to be this person sitting in front of me today, this version of Sadette. Yes. Okay. Well, hello. And um, it's a journey. Yes. <laughs> so the person you um, see in front of me today is not who I, who I was even a few years ago, right? Evolving, yeah. right? Um, so I, I'm a children's entertainer. Um, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota raised by incredible people. <laughs> um, my mother is from Mississippi. My dad's from um, Nigeria. Um, so I have the like the richness of both African-American and Nigerian culture. Um, just really, I really love that. Um, my inspiration for what I do is from my mother. So I think I have like my mom's creativity and my dad's personality as far as loving everybody. And everything's always like 
you know, great. Like I don't see the bad in anyone. I just see the good. Right. So, but my mother is like, she sees like the problems and she's like, we got to deal with this. But her creativity and her love for young people just really inspired me to, to take this journey as well. So um, when I was in the States, I, um, I did a lot of work um, with youth groups because I started off pretty much like a youth pastor um, working in churches. And then, you know, my life completely changed and, you know, discovering who I am. And now I'm working in community because I didn't, um, you know, just learning more about yourself is realizing that, you know, what is what is my real message? It's a message of belonging and acceptance mm-hmm. and inclusion and and knowing where my path is. And I learned so many things along the way as well. So it's brought me to where I am today um, for the past 17 years. Um, I have been a children's entertainer, motivational speaker, creative director um, for the Side Dad Show and pretty much a... Um, a program that helps students to believe in their abilities to make a difference in the world, to find that voice, to be able to be that ally and support for other people. So my long spiel about how I got here. (laughs) I'm actually so impressed with how well you wrapped that all up. It was very succinct considering everything that I read about you. Um, So I remember the first time we met, we were at some sort of like round table artist thing where there was one artistic director in the middle and all of us had to kind of like- It's like speed dating. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's so funny because I actually didn't know that you were a youth pastor until I started to read more about you because we've only really met like a couple of times in person, right? That's right. And, uh, but I remember when we met at this thing, you were giving your spiel, like you were sharing your your turn to speed date or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember (laughs) thinking because a few days before that, I had had a conversation with my grandma, who was like a very active member of her church. My grandfather was a pastor. Mm. They um, And she was sharing these concerns about feeling like youth today or young people today wouldn't have churches to continue to go to and wouldn't have this like relationship with something bigger than themselves. Or, And wow. I remember trying to explain to her like, but, but music kind of does this. And so when I met you and you were telling about what you do and like your work with children and encouraging this relationship with each other and seeing one another and themselves in this positive way, I was like, that's the church. Like my grandma needs to be here to be reassured by yes. <laughs> work. <laughs> so yeah. And yeah. so when I was reading, I was like, so what would you, what do you see as a difference between your work as a youth pastor and what you're what you're doing now with children? Well, I, I, I feel that when someone is passionate about giving a positive message, you also have to consider that if you're saying you're, you, you accept everyone, you have to have that message mm-hmm. as well. And it can't be, I'm only accepting you based on my rules or the regulations in a particular teaching or book or things like that. And I know everyone's different and every religion is different, of course, Mm -hmm. but we have to remember like the why behind it. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, and so for me, it was my why, why do I have these lessons in church? Because I believe that everyone should have that sensing sense of belonging. And can I bring that out of my religion and actually bring it to a message for everyone? And, and that's, and that's, and I guess that was my own journey. Like I, I came out as an, as an adult <laughs> and it was a shock to my family and my friends and, and just learning, like, I still hold true to, to, to my, my morals in, in within what I was taught in my religion, mm-hmm. but I've, I've learned so much. And if we keep that open mind, we can, we can, we can hold on to what we, we value as far as our morals and teachings of our own religions, but we can also be accepting of others and not judge them based on how we believe. Mm-hmm. And so that, so that's kind of where I am with why I, I work with young people in communities and in, in schools where it's like, I'm not giving you a message where you're going to go, oh, so you're a Christian or you're this, this type of uh, religion or, or, or belief. So I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Right. It's like, I'm talking to you about, we all need to believe in each other. We need to support each other. And that's a world that's a, that's a, that's that's a that's a teaching of the that should be a, around the world and it is part of most religions are really about like loving caring and giving mm-hmm. and and so that's that's what i'm about as well so i say i'm not religious i just have relationship with the universe so love that yeah love that and how do yeah. um how do the children that you work with take up like take that up take up what you offer and think with those ideas well i i feel it's i'm i'm um someone once told me that every person is in your life for a reason a season or a lifetime Mm -hmm. and so i've kind of embraced that and when i visit a school whether well now virtually yeah (laughs) i'm there for a reason Mm -hmm. and i may be starting a conversation of like um, empowerment or confidence, inclusion, diversity, but I'm not the only voice. Mm-hmm. And so I, and, and my mission is joy, happiness, right? So I already know that's why I'm there. Are they going to feel like they've got, they have some deep healing with my, with my work? Maybe, maybe not, but I'm there to, to lift their spirits. Yeah. And as when you're, when you get, when you feel good about yourself and you're feeling good, even in that moment, someone else can come in and say, let's get to that, the deeper roots of things of why you feel the way you feel or why you're, you're struggling in a particular area. Because if we don't have that time to go, oh, life can be good. We're not going to be able to, to, to absorb the teachings that we really need. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I feel like that's my mission. When I go into school, the kids going to feel good. They're going to be happy. They're, they're, they're going to feel like, I don't know why I want to smile, but this, this lady keeps smiling at me. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't help it. And I like that they'll walk like before COVID, they just walk in the, in the, um, in the gym like this. Really? And then because it's a podcast, I have to describe that you're like, arms crazy. Yeah, I kind of forgot. Sorry, I'm like that's okay. I'll just feel my vibe right. <laughs> so, you know, they walk into the gym and they're folding their arms mm-hmm. and they're just, um, you know, 
like just another assembly yeah <laughs> talk to us right and then they hear the music and then I'm just that high energy bouncing person all over the place yeah. and it's like oh this is gonna be good and I'm just here to let you know that you can make a difference in the world and here are the things that you can do and let's address bullying let's address racism let's let's address mm -hmm. these things but we're going to give you practical ways to make a difference. And so I feel like that really helps. And now doing this virtually, I say I have the audience in my head. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm, I've had so much experience with this. So we do pre-recorded um, um, workshops and um, presentations for schools because of it's so problematic trying to, yeah. you know, as you know, perform yeah. live yeah. with people and they're like, I keep cutting out, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so now we, we, we do pre-recorded um, performances for schools and I talk, talk to them as if it's live. Mm -hmm. I can hear you from my studio. So I give those pauses where they can engage with them, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm finding even now we're receiving um, so many positive messages from educators about how just having me in their classroom is bringing that joy and that and that happiness to, to these students, even though I'm not able to physically be there to look in their eyes. Yeah. And so I, I just think that's wonderful. Yeah, especially right now when there's so much disconnection and I think heaviness for a lot of people too. Yep. It's so nice that you can just have be like that injection of excitement and happiness. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. We need it so bad. What do you see as the broader impact of this art that you bring into spaces? Yes, well, music music kind of brings us together and when kids can understand that your differences in like in your taste in music um how you present it can you can guide each other you can kind of lead you can you can you can talk about any issue with music and mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what i do with with our show is like i have a point like today we're going to talk about um like for example if we're talking about um racism I will have a song that that says we all bleed the same. Mm. Um, we we can all we can we can continue to help each other if we see each other, and that song will stay in their head. Oh, okay. Now they may not remember everything I said, but the song connects to it. Yeah. And then you add the movement to that, right? So now I've I've talked about here's the subject. It's a heavy one, but we've added music to it. And then I'm going to take the music and we're going to add movement to it. Mm -hmm. And now you have these, this memory of like, I was singing, I was moving. And now what can I do with this? So all of this, all that music and movement and hyperness and happiness yeah. is helping them to remember when they sit down in their seat and someone is being bullied next to them. Mm -hmm. We all bleed the same. We are moving together. Hey, that's not okay. Like, why are you talking to that person like that? You need to stop that. Like, I don't like the way this feels. So now they've connected all of these, the arts with the message, right? And and so that's that's what I feel like the 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 long of the long term effects of my show are the memories that they are able to take with them and and place in their in their in their everyday lives. Mm -hmm. And so 
I, if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. I got like full body goosebumps there because I think that's so beautiful to think about art as that thing that just permeates our outer layer, right? It just gets into you with yeah. the music and the dancing and then you have no choice but to feel it and remember what that felt like. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I love that. And I feel like we've heard from so many people over the last, well, year now since the pandemic started that those are the things that people are really missing about live performances and being physically together, that palpable energy, that stuff that gets into you, like you were saying. And I'm wondering if since you've switched these experiences that you're doing, these performances online, how does that feeling get through the technological barrier? Have you noticed any big challenges or even anything that you're maybe feeling more optimistic about in regards to translating your show for this type of platform as opposed to that live physical audience that we're used to? Yes. <laughs> it's, there's, it's like the common, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the universal eye roll that goes along with that question every time I ask. Oh, Renee, I have to tell you the, um, when the pandemic, when the, the closures came in, in March, I had my first um, stage production that was supposed to happen um, that was sold out. <laughs> it was, and um, I had like a cast of 19, I think like 19 um, dancers. We had a mascot, everything. Uh, this was going to, you know, bring my career to the next level. Oh my right? gosh. And then that was canceled. And I sat in a room filled with props and oh. dollars worth of um outfits and costumes and oh my gosh props are just like oh and, and so we didn't know what we were gonna do and mm -hmm. and so christina my incredible support life partner manager everything <laughs> <laughs> you know she kind of gave me that sense of like what are we going to do next mm -hmm. and um i found that i was just sitting on the couch sitting on the couch trying to figure out this is the end of my career and you know how old I am I don't know what to do I didn't realize I wasn't essential that that, oh, that went gosh. That, that, I'm not essential no kidding Plus, you know so I don't need this and it yeah. was like I was going to school for journalism I had a full scholarship I was thinking about going into medicine I don't know like you know yeah I was, but I choose to my career. So I went through all of that. Yeah. To tell you how I got, I, I was able to get to this place of like, this still works. Yeah. There was a lot of learning and I had to do. And one thing that was like my, in a sense, my crutch mm -hmm. was just a thriving on the audience. Yeah. I know my show is good because the kids got their hands in the air. Right. You don't have that. I know I'm talking, I'm, I'm saying the right things because the teachers are nodding their heads, writing notes down, and they're yeah. telling me how wonderful it is. Don't have Nothing. that. Okay, what, what do I do? So then it was, it was there where I had to start taking my own message mm. <laughs> and going, is this just for show? with all the music and the glam and the happiness that you that you invoke in the school or are you going to 
apply it to your own life. And so I went into my own, I had my own journey with that. Mm -hmm. And I think when the music became part of me and not something I do, yeah, that's when I was able to live it, yeah. no matter if I have an audience or not. Hmm. And, and so that just, I, I, I don't know, it changed me. And so with that, I had to really div, dive deep into like, look at your script. Are you just only relying on like the hype moments? Or are right. you going to get into the meat of the message? This um, created something that that became such a beautiful time in in schools in, Feb in February. Mm -hmm. I do um, I do uh, Black History Month assemblies for the past 17 years. Mm -hmm. And it was always just one hour show which had a lot of celebration in it. We're, we're not going to talk about the really heavy things. We're just going to talk about all the, like the, you know, hey, all this beautiful things. Look at these heroes and goodbye, yeah. right? Yeah. And so with all of this and learning how to be in my small studio recording, we decided to do 20-day journey. It's like, we're not giving the schools a one hour a show in order for them to get to the show, they have to take a journey with us for 20 days. And every day for three to five minutes, I'm going to give you some nuggets of truth about Canadian Black history. Yes. Not just let's talk about the U.S. Mm -hmm. because we have problems here too. Yeah. And so that took me on my own journey of just like diving deep into research. And so now I'm starting to get into the message, like what is systemic racism? How does it apply to our life today? Um, how, why are protests happening? And, and why are they so um, relevant to what we're experiencing today? Um, who were the people who were able to be the first in Canada to do different things and have different roles in this country? And why is it important to continue to see representation? Mm -hmm. And just being able to do that with my with my same personality, yeah. but a little more serious and more like, I'm a mom now. Let's talk about these serious yeah. issues. Yeah. And I'm still going to smile at you. Yeah. But this is this is tough to hear. And so with that, became such a beautiful thing in the classroom where teachers were able to take what I said for three to five minutes and dive deeper yeah. and so all of a sudden they're not going oh we just had a great time dancing with side ads it's like we actually learned about Carrie Best and, and and how she started her own newspaper and how she was one of the first people to go into the movie theater and 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 protest um, sitting in the front um, right before Vi Viola six years before Viola Desmond mm -hmm. and she was the one who wrote in her newspaper about Viola Desmond things like that and yeah. so we still have music in it there's still that like your side act talking to you yeah but it's so rich yeah. and and i and i just i just find there that is now the 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 effect where i know that they will always remember it mm -hmm. yeah they're gonna remember the happiness but now they they are they're understanding life yeah and and the problems that we have and that you can't just dance it away or brush it away or just go be kind to each other yeah let's deal with it right yeah and so, so for me, I have evolved, I've evolved mm -hmm. <laughs> as well as a, as a performer because of, because I had to, Yeah. and I, and you know, as much as I want this pandemic to leave, I, I just hope I continue to learn to be a better person mm -hmm. and, and throughout all of these transitions. So, yeah.
Yeah. I love, um, I was reading that, the Free Press article, recent one, I think it was in February, that was talking yeah. about this shift that you had been making using, um, is it YouTube that you're posting these videos? Yep, yep. So what we did is we just made, made an unlisted link and yeah. is only for um, educators and things like that. So pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And I, one of the quotes that are in there, you're talking about how um, the children aren't just thinking about their own lives and their own dreams and activities, mm -hmm. but they sit and they watch the world in all of its pain. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think we, it just holds children in such this comp place of competence as well. Yeah. That, you know, we see them as humans who are capable of having these conversations, yeah. who will grow up to be a generation of people that yeah. hopefully don't face the same kind of struggles or problems or perpetuate the same kind of harm to other people. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a positive there to be taken from the pandemic, for sure, even after yeah. all of the grief and the loss. And the learning how to use these, oh, like these platforms of uh, yeah. <laughs> Google Meet and Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Renee, like, so, like um, I work with, I also work with an organization called the Get Real Movement. Okay. And I'm I they they reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be a facilitator for the anti-racism workshops. And at first I was like, no, <laughs> I don't think I can do that. I'm like, happiness infuser. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so just the more talking through it, it was like, okay, this is so needed. I'm so honored to be able to be part of it. Yeah. But learning how to navigate this type of presentation just with technology. So I have to share the screen. You know how old I am? I'm 48 years old. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and now you're going to take this tab. You're going to maneuver here. And you're going to go to this survey. And you're going to look at the like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And how are you doing now? How long into it are you now? I'm not going to say I'm a pro, but I'm pretty good. <laughs> good. This is good. I love it. We're like teaching ourselves to do things we never yeah. thought we would have had to do in so yeah. many ways. It's like, I'm an artist. I don't do these things. I'm like, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you see any of the changes and like these new, these new technological platforms that you've kind of learned or brought into your work? Do you see them sticking around once you can go back to, yeah? Yeah, and I, and I think um, even um, for for so many different businesses, it's going to be a way of life. Mm. I mean, with schools, until everyone is vaccinated, things are going to be different when it comes to um, having guest speakers in. Yeah. So I, I, I realize that. So I have to continue to educate myself and learn new ways of doing things that, you know, like people will look you they'll be forgiving like this first yeah. year course like oh everybody's learning you know your sure. video it wasn't as great as you could have been but you know we're all learning but now it's like oh you have to step yeah. up again right and yeah, so true. I can't go oh I had such su success you know this year do the same thing no mm -hmm. <laughs> you always have to continue to look you know to go higher and yeah to learn more so if it wasn't for the pandemic, do you think you would keep these things around? Like, have they, I know you've been able to kind of expand your reach because the, yeah. just the logistics around touring and actually physically bringing yourself to many schools. Like, yeah. 
Would you, do you like what that does for you being able to offer your programs more broadly? Well, I, I mean, I think I would just have a hybrid of, of it, yeah. right? Because there's nothing like being able to be um, part of your own home and being able to make a difference in someone's life in another state, province, and the other side of the world. So I think that's here to stay and I would really like to keep that, but I also know that there's nothing like looking into their eyes and they need that. They need that outlet to be able just to come together and celebrate. We all do, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I I hope we go back (laughs) very soon. Yeah. And And I can't wait to do that. But I also love this option of being able to, you know, reach more people. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like that's a common thing, that kind of hybrid model, taking the best parts of both worlds and kind of making them stick together. And for sure. (laughs) How do you think the intersection of music and technology or art and technology in general will evolve over the next, let's say, five to 10 years? That's a hard one. I know. We ask everybody this because I'm always interested in just people's personal opinions. I don't think we really know because it's changing so fast, right? And so I think because people are so open to seeing different now where it used to be like, this is the only style we like. This is the only way we're going to do things. I'm not open to learning or knowing anything different where now just people want different they want diversity they want to to see the creativity come out in in everyone so I feel like we're just always going to be on our toes yeah we're always going to be like okay what's next what I have to learn now (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) I think we just have to be ready for it now in which way it will change I'm you're just here for the ride yeah exactly (laughs) I'm kind of in that boat as well I uh our last guest Guillermo he was like I'd take the chips in my brain you know he's like all for these evolutions in technology and I'm I'm like okay I'll be like fifth or sixth in line right right (laughs) yeah I want to make sure it doesn't hurt anybody first and then um so so I feel like you have this really beautiful way of uplifting people just sharing sharing joy and energy even around things like pain and loss and grief and I know for a lot of people and it's definitely not restricted to the arts community but I know that the arts community and especially live music is really suffering right now because of the pandemic and I'm wondering if I guess as a person who has been able to, you know, experience that loss and also pivot and reinvent and reshape what you're doing, I'm wondering if we could leave with a couple pieces of advice to help other people who might be still stuck in that grief phase. Mm, Yes. Um, I just want to let you know that I've been there and, you know, I still have moments when that uncertainty hits me and and you think, Oh my goodness, am I going to be able to survive this? But I do want you to know that you are creative and you have ideas in your head right now that you probably think, oh, that's not going to work. Don't doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. Start writing it down even. Um, I, I'll just give you one quick example. Mm-hmm. Um, six months before the first lockdown, 
I, I talked to Christina and I said, um, honey, I have this idea. I think that we should start streaming our show to other schools in different provinces and with just the how we can just schedule them to to be part of like a particular day and i think that would be really cool and we were both like i don't know how that's gonna happen but you know i don't know and at the time it just seemed like outlandish like what screaming to other kids i'll be like okay whatever we'll we'll figure that out one day yeah we didn't work on it we didn't look at it anymore until that lockdown Mm. And I looked at Christine and I said, do you remember six months ago, I had this idea, right? Yeah. So that's what I leave you with that. You have ideas. Yes. And sometimes we just are doubt, our self-doubt and just looking around at it, comparing ourselves to other artists, like, well, they're already doing something. No, you have something to give and it's going to work for you. So Mm -hmm. just it's either going to be a waiting game but just continue to plan for it and I I believe you're going to make it yes listen to that inner voice yes it's so it's so true I feel like that's probably my most constant challenge no to listen to yourself without getting so distracted by all the the compare and despair kind of things right (laughs) so true so true well, Saida, I so appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. Oh, thanks for having me. Saving the world one classroom at a time. Yes. <laughs> Good luck with everything as you go. And we'll have to have you back for another episode and dive more into some of your stuff. Oh. That wraps up this week's episode of From Starving to Savvy. Myself, along with the whole team at Last Draft, extend our most sincere gratitude to each of you for tuning in and giving your ears, your hearts, and your time to learning more about our guests and their unique stories and experiences. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Last Draft, an ethical, engaging, and human story company with a mission to authentically amplify the stories of those they work with. The team at Last Draft thrives on real connections, empowering stories, and authentic voices. If you are an artist or entrepreneur looking to start telling your story, Last Draft offers support through evocative written content, exciting virtual events, personal email campaigns, and more. To get in touch with a team member at Last Draft, please visit www.lastdraft.ca. Again, we extend our deepest thanks to each of you for tuning in and hope you'll be back for future episodes.